What were we talking about? What were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking about something and then we stopped. Uh, I showed you the Softer World comic. Oh, that was the line of like the things we do for love or whatever. Yes, I want I want people I want children to hear the terrible things that we did for love. You know, I used to read a Softer World every day. Uh huh. That was part of my rotation. Yes, I remember. Fifteen years ago. That's gross. You know, it also feels like fifteen years ago. What? The last time we recorded one of these podcasts. Hey, hey we back, baby. We fucking doing it again. We're doing the thing. It is time for another episode of Soon to Be a Major Motion Podcast. We are your hosts, Cody and Billy Beck. And uh, how have you been the last uh, couple of weeks? I haven't spoken to you since our last recording. Nope, I have not seen you one single time. Nope, not a one. <laughs> Uh, I've been good. Some some personal stuff going on. Good things, possibly. Keeping it quiet. Don't want the internet knowing your... Don't want to jinx it. Your dirty business. Oh, that's right. You have that thing that may be a thing. Yeah. I don't. Nothing has changed for me. I've watched the movies. I read a book. Oh, too. shit. What book did you read? I read Death on the Nile. By Death? Agatha Christie. Death on the Nile by Agatha Christie. Guess what movies I watched. What did you watch? I watched Death on the Nile, as directed by Kenneth Branagh. What a coincidence. It's funny, because last time we recorded, you said that you'd never read an Agatha Christie. Yes. And I realized I'd never seen an Agatha Christie. Really? Yeah, no. Never seen Death on the Nile. Didn't see the um, other Branagh one he did, the Orient Express. Yes. Um, None yes. of that. She has so many. For the record, this is... a. Uh... According to Goodreads, this is number 18 in the Hercule Poirot. How do you pronounce his name? Poirot. You have to like put like in it. You and I both have seen Knives Out. Yes. Um, we both have seen and enjoyed Clue. Mm-hmm. I should say we also enjoyed Knives Out greatly. Great yes. movie. Um, which are kind of in the same vein. So yeah. I thought it was weird that neither of us had seen Agatha um, Christie. Any Agatha Christie. I also don't think that I have ever read what would be considered a mystery like this. I mean, I remember reading noir, but I feel like noir is different. Noir is very different. Like, murder mystery is its own animal. Noir is less... Noir is more tone? Like, when I was in 11th grade, our summer project for our teacher was that she had us read one of two noirs. Uh, I read the one that was not uh, about the Raven. Um, oh my goodness. Was he Falcon? Yes, that, not that one. I read the other option. <laughs> my first thought was Edgar Allan Poe's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even remember which one I read. Uh, I know it wasn't the Maltese Falcon. I read the other one, but I don't remember what it was called. And um, can't help you there. Then she had us pick modern murder mysteries to read, and I read uh, "A is for Alibi" by Sue Grafton, I think is her name. And then we did a compare and contrast. So that is the closest I have. And of course, my mom reads all of those recipe mystery books. Is that like? Cook, cook a meal and the mystery is why does it taste this bad? While we are white people from Pennsylvania, uh, no, the the gimmick of the book is that the person who is solving the mysteries is a baker 
And so there are recipes in between each chapter of things that she cooks throughout the book. You know what I just remembered? Oh. That uh, murder mystery play I did out of college. Like that first paid acting job I had that oh I did God. on that riverboat. When you, when you did the one... Oh, we did it at a... At uh, the church the one time, and you were the killer. You made me the murderer? I did not make you the murderer. The director made you the murderer, because she thought it would be hilarious. That's she a story for right. me. <laughs> that was a weird night. That was a, that was a very, that was a, that was a Billy performance for everyone, like, three times night. That was wild. Um, but that's a story for another night. The story tonight yes. is the OG, the legendary Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. of the desert has the power to seduce. I ask you. Have you ever loved so much? So possessed by jealousy. That you might kill. You had something to hide. The crime is murder. Should have hidden it, shouldn't you? The murderer is one of you. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe with any of them. It's too late to change events. It's time to face the consequences. I have investigated many crimes, but this has altered the shape of my soul. I am Detective Hercule Poirot, and I will deliver your killer. So let's get into it. First of all, there will be spoilers ahead probably immediately because we're going to kind of scatter shot at this time. I, I don't want to go spoilers start to for finish. A year old book and a two year old movie. <laughs> a two year old movie. And I don't think you know this. There was a movie in 1978 as well. That does not surprise me. Do you know what I did at work today? Oh, no, you did. I watched the 78 as well. Which one was better? Oh my god, the older one. <laughs> this is a surprising revelation to me. I am totally shocked. Okay, so... Okay, so first. Thoughts. Okay, you go first. <laughs> so first, I want to say that it is fascinating watching how tropes are born because reading this book I was like, oh, that's where all of these tropes that are in every detective show and every cop show and everything ever came from. And it's fascinating to see that. Um, second, 
Dig. I'm just going to call him the detective because I am not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce that name again. I am going to embarrass myself by trying. Hercule Poirot. Did he have an aggressive French accent in the movie? Oh, both. Yes. Um, he was very specific in the 78 that it's a Belgian accent because people kept calling him French and he was very pissed off about it. Okay, I'm just going to start off right away. Uh, Poirot, in the book, what is his like disposition? How How is he as a person? So he is, and I'm going to put this the most polite way that I can. He is gay-coded. No shit. That's the way I read it, but also Agatha Christie is a noted racist. Ooh, interesting. Yes, like, Agatha Christie is known for being wildly racist. Like, I believe there is a story of hers called Ten Little Indians that was originally called something else. Ten Little... Yes, I believe so. Um... And uh, there was a lot of wild racism and sexism in this book. Okay, so <laughs> the 22 movie, yes. the uh, Kenneth Brown version, it's so funny that you mentioned that because there are two things that I noticed were very different from the 78 version, which mm-hmm. I think is closer to the book having not read the book. Okay. First thing, yes. Salome Otterborn yes. and her niece. Yes. Rosalie? Rosalie. That I, is her daughter in the book. Okay, daughter in the 78 niece. Okay. In the 22. Uh, they are black. Oh, I don't like that. Okay. I think I think it was actually handled pretty well. Instead of, um, I'm going to make assumptions based on the 78, instead of being, uh, I think she's a novelist, Salome Otterborn? Yes. And her, her motive for the murder of um, Lynette Oh, she is not, in the book, she is not even a suspect. Okay, so in 78, she's a suspect. She's treated as such. Um, Her motive is, uh, there was a libelous situation, and there's a a line in the movie uh, that you cannot libel the dead. Okay. In the 22, in the brand, instead of being a novelist, she's a blues musician. Okay. not her daughter, her niece, is uh, one of her musicians as well, and kind of her manager. The opening scene we see them is in a club. Um, that's where we meet about half the cast. Um, and she tells the club manager, we get paid up front or we don't play. And it works. Like she, The niece is super, super chill. Her motive, Salome's motive, is when Lynette was young, she told the manager at a country club they were at, before they ever really knew each other, uh, she told the manager that she didn't feel comfortable swimming in a pool while there were black people around. Oh. And then when she went to boarding school, Rosalie was her roommate. And that shed her racism that, according to the movie, uh, came from her father. Okay. Was her father American? Her father was not in either movie. Well, did they did they make references to him? Not that I recall. They may have in the '78. I didn't take notes on that one. I did not make any notes of that in here. Was there anything about an Andrew Pennington? Andrew Pennington was in this, and that's the second one I want to bring up. Okay. Andrew in the '78 is her uncle. 
manages the affairs. He's not acting, in the book he's not acting with her uncle, but she calls him Uncle Andrew because she's known him forever. Okay. Similarly, in uh, the 22, he's her cousin. She's, he's younger. He's about her age. Wait, you're Okay. Out. Um, she refers to him as her cousin because they've known each other forever, and he's also Indian. Um, um. And and his excuse for leaving his gun behind is, he says, I know when we land, police will be waiting for us because, you know, someone's been murdered. Um, And he's like, if they see a brown man with a gun, I will not make it to the gallows. Oh, that's interesting. Especially considering this takes place... 30... Would this have taken place during Indian Independence, or...? Oh, God. It didn't go into it. And my history's poor. Yeah, I, I feel like... It, it, it would have been around there. Yeah. Because I'm thinking just the, the British and... Um, the relationship between Britain and India in general... In England and, and Indian generals fraught already. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Indian independence movement ran from 1857 to 1947, so yes. Okay, so that was happening. Um, so, okay, I have several questions then. Okay. Is he suspected of her murder? Absolutely. Okay. In the book, he is much older. Mm-hmm. He was older in the uh, 78 movie as well. Yes, he is an older gentleman from America, and is it made clear that he... Uh, has essentially speculated with her funds. Yes. It, okay. is, it is explicit in both. Okay. Um, and he... Does he admit to the attempted murder in the movie? So in the 78, he's accused of it, but he never admits to it. In the 22, he does. Okay. And we're talking about and when he, the rock almost falls. Yes, there, the right? rock. Okay. I actually made a note to ask you about that, if that even comes up in the book, because it was so unclear in the 78. Yes. And then it was it was explicit in the 22, so it was... Yes. Fine. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, in the book, there are kind of three major plot threads that are happening. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to run through them, because I'm curious if they got rid of characters in the Brona, because it feels like they did. Oh, they did. Okay. I know they did. Okay. <laughs> so, you've got Lynette and Simon. Lynette and Simon are in the movie. You've got Jacqueline de Belfort? Sure. Okay. Yes, that is She's the, uh, I'm curious who, okay, so I'm also going to ask you about casting. I know yes. Lynette Doyle is played by, uh, Lynette Doyle, Nay Ridgeway, is played by Gal Gadot. Yes, and she's incredible. I love her. I actually think that casting is incredible because she is kind of a nothing in the book. Like, she is there's a line about how when the sun comes out you don't see the moon anymore and it's all related to like the the Simon leaving Jacqueline for her thing Mm -hmm. but it's so fascinating because it's like Gal Gadot as Lynette is really casting because if you go back to during COVID and you imagine the video like (laughs) it's just Lynette is so young and so tone deaf she's just used to getting what she wants and when she runs into something that she can't just wave away with her imperious manner and it's not like it's made over it's pointed out over and over again in the book that she she has never had an obstacle and she's so used to not having obstacles that when they crop up she literally does not know what to do yeah she's in like a panic the whole first half of the movie while she's still alive because they're (laughs) 
she and Simon are on their honeymoon, and the Simon Zach's Jackie just yes. keeps appearing. Did Jack? Was it made clear that Jackie and and um, uh, Renette were besties? Yes. Okay. Good. The the opening scene in the club. Well, not the opening scene. I'll get to that. Um, I wanted to ask you about that. Actually. The the opening scene in the club. Um, uh, Jackie brings her fiance to meet Lynette, and they're like best friends and hugging. And Lynette gives him the job as estate manager, and then they dance. It's way too sexual. Like they're fucking on the dance floor. Uh, Jackie and Simon are. Oh, um, okay. And in that same club, uh, Salome and her and uh, Rosalie are playing the music. Okay. Uh, Hercule is there with one of every dessert. Um. <laughs> And I want to say another. No, none of the other main characters. The rest of them appear when they go to Egypt. That's when the rest of the characters appear. Is there um? So the opening scene, the opening chapter of the book is like. No, I read an ebook, so pages are a little bit different. Hmm. But the first chapter of the ebook is like seventy-five pages long, and it goes through um. You're introduced to Lynette. You're introduced to uh, the detective. You're introduced to the whole situation with Jackie. Um, you're introduced to, um, oh my goodness, Joanna Southwood. Are the, Is the Jewel Thief plotline not in the movie? No, the Jewel Thief plotline is in the movie. Okay, so there is a character that appears. She only appears in the opening um, chapter, actually, but she's referenced a bunch afterwards. Um, she, uh, she's introduced asking to borrow a string of pearls from, um, Lynette. She's hanging out with her at the house, uh, Lynette's fancy new country house. Um, there is a hot second where they introduce Lord Windlesham, who is the person that Lynette is supposed to marry. Played by Russell Brand. Oh, oh. You know what, though? I didn't hate it. He's such a, like, he's barely, is he in the movie a lot? He's in there a decent amount, yeah. Okay. They, they yunked down the cast a lot for this movie, for the 22. Well, no, Wiggleship and, and, she's supposed to be oh. 20. No, no, you know what? Maybe they just olded him in the 78. <laughs> it was taken home for him. I don't think it was ever mentioned. No. Uh, no, his motive in the 78 had nothing to do with him being a former fiancé. That's that's the bluffiest the fiancé thing. He's literally, like he's mentioned as, no, he's mentioned as asking for her hand, and then he does not come back. Oh, no, they were, like, previously engaged in the 22. In the 78, she's, like, going to out him as, as a quack. <laughs> no, he, uh, he is in literally, like, the first chapter, because he's, like, it's, like, Oh, I'm gonna. I'm obviously gonna marry her, and it's gonna be great. And then like, it's referenced that like he's upset because she turned him down to marry this nobody, Simon Doyle. But um, he never comes back. He's in the opening chapter, and that's it. He's not on the boat. No, he's not on the boat. Oh, they, oh, they combined Bessner and Windlesham. They must have. 
Okay, yeah, Windowsheva is a separate character from Bessner. Bessner is the doctor. Um, and his thing is used to kill the baby. Oh, I just thought I misheard his name when I was watching the old movie today. And I was like, oh, he's a doctor character. Got it. He's younger in this one. Um, okay, so you've got Lynette and Simon and Jackie. Yeah. And that's, like, the main plot. Yeah. Um, along with the detective. And mm-hmm. then you've got the Allentons, which are Tim and uh, Mrs. Allerton and um, Rosalie, Otterborn and Salome. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Give me some character traits about the Allertons here. Um, I think I just figured something out. Mrs. Allerton is, like, the perfect mother, and she's a little bit, like, her son is, like, a little too friendly with her, but not in a weird way. It's just, like, he only wants to hang out with her. Um, and his son, her son is, like, the cool, disaffected one. He's the jewel thief. He is working in a ring with Joanna Self. Oh my god! I'm so confused. So, um, <laughs> is his first name Book? B-O-U-C by any chance? No. Okay, so, instead of the Allertons, it's those same characters in the 22. Except, it's Book. I think he's in Orient Express. Okay. I think he's, um, her, uh, Mara's, uh, second, basically. It's, it's the Watson to his home, so to speak. I think that's who he is. Oh, that's a different character. It's Colonel something, right? Colonel Ricks. He's not in the 22 movie. He is in the 78 movie in that book. Okay. In this one, I believe it's the same dude. He's in the first one. I think he fills the same role in Orient Express. His mom is a painter. Okay. And his mom brings Hercule to um, Egypt to spy on Rosalie to see if she's worthy of her son's hand. Okay. Yeah, that's very different book. Jesus Christ. Okay, so then, um, in the in the book, Mrs. Allerton loves Rosalie, but Rosalie is hiding the secret because her mom, Mrs. Otterborn, is secretly drunk, and so she she's like really grumpy and sulky, and like she's described over and over again as being like short and rude with everyone, and uh, Poirot figures out. It's because her mom is a drunk, and she's been trying to protect her mom's reputation. But everyone else around them uh, just thinks that Rosalie's this huge bitch. And there's like a, it's almost like a herald happening on this ship with the three different plots. Are the Robesons and Miss Van Schuyler involved? Um, super old lady. Robeson, I don't recognize the name. Van Schuyler is. Does she have her niece or a young attendant with her? She has Miss Bowers with her. Okay, so Cornelia Robson is not involved at all. No. Okay, is there a character that is a communist? Yes. Okay. I so cannot he, I cannot remember his name in the 78 movie. Ferguson? Yes, it's James Ferguson. In the 22, it's Van Schuyler. She's the communist. Oh. But she's also rich and just gives her money away. Oh, no, no, no. She is, in the book, she's a kleptomaniac. She's the kleptomaniac in the 28th. She's the klepto in that one. She's the one who steals the pearls and then, like, puts them back on the body. Yes. In the so, 22, it's Book that steals. And it's not pearls, it's a Tiffany necklace. Okay. That, I'm trying to get that. I'm okay with that change. Yeah. Like I have the, no issues with that. The characters I have a problem with. Because the, the rock is the size of a fucking fist. Yes. It's, it's supposed to be super expensive. Yeah. Um, okay. 
So then there's like this weird minor plot with Cornelia Rodsick, because she's like a poor, the impoverished relation of the Ben Schuyler's. Uh, and she gets brought along as basically free, uh, free attended. And there's a joke with the, with Ferguson and the doctor. Uh, there's, um, I think there might be a second doctor, but he's like a, an academia doctor as opposed to an actual doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a love triangle because she's so nice and Ferguson just picks at her and picks at her and picks at her trying to get her to be mean. And she never is. And he's finally like, I want to marry you. And she's like, what? And then it, there's like a joke playing on the fact that he's actually super rich and Van Skyler's been super awful to him the whole trip because he's been hiding the fact that he's rich. And so apparently they just completely eliminated that from the movie. Which I, I yeah, did. that's gone. That's completely gone. From um, both movies. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so you said she was uh, uh, Van Skyler's kind of like attendant? Miss Bowers. Oh, Miss Bowers. Is there is Miss Bowers, and there's also. Okay. It seems like they kind of rolled her into Miss Bowers in the 22, as well as rolling Ferguson into Miss oh. Skyler. And you know where it's actually interesting? Is Hercule uh, deduces um, based on how the bed sheets are folded in Miss Bowers' room on day three that they're mothers. And Skyler and Miss Bowers. Oh, I hate it. I, I didn't mind it. It, it changed nothing. It changes, I mean... At least in the movie, it changed nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you're already changing so much to get to that movie. I just, having just read the book, I'm like, oh, because the whole point of Miss Bowers is that she is literally there. She's there as a nurse, and she is a trained nurse, but she is there to stop Van Skyler from being a klepto. So the klepto thing, it's not Van Skyler in the 22, it's book. It's that other character. The other role that that book takes up is the third body. They killed him? He's the one who gets shot when he's about to reveal who he saw. Well, when you get rid of Robson, you have to do that, because Cornelia... uh, No, 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 sorry. It's... So does Mrs. Otterborn survive? She she survives on through. She's the third body in the book. I know, she's the third body in the 78 as well. Okay, and then the second one... Uh, the second body is Lynette Doyle's maid, right? Yeah, um, Louise? Yes. Okay, is she, um, Latina? No, she's French. Okay, uh, in the book, they make her Latina, and everyone is really awful and racist to her. And I was kind of like, you, you know what, girl? You go ahead and you blackmail these people. She's French in both. In both movies, she's French. Like, she's there's actually a really good scene in the 78 where, like, Hercule starts uh, interrogating her in French. Yeah. And they go back and forth for a bit. And the colonel's like, can you do this in a language we all understand, please? <laughs> oh, okay. So... Okay, no, no, no. You asked a few questions already. It's my turn to ask one. Yes, yes. Okay. Do you get the origin of Hercule Poirot's mustache in the book? No! Why would you need it? I don't fucking know. But the opening scene... Of this fucking movie, dark, brooding music comes up. Caption, 1914, in the trenches of World War One. Oh my god, Kevin. And a young Hercule Poirot is in the trenches. And his, his commanding officer says, we have our orders, we need to take that bridge. 
And they're like, we're going to fucking die. And he's like, I fucking know. But we're going to go in about three hours when the wind changes direction so that the smoke doesn't blow on our, I'm sorry, the gas doesn't blow on our armies. And Hercule looks at some birds and goes, they're flying early today. That means the wind's going early. We have about seven or eight minutes to go. And he convinces the commanding officer to go. And they take the bridge. And at the last second, like, they're all fine, but his commanding officer hits a tripwire and the bridge fucking explodes. And then they cut to a field hospital. And he's there. And is there a character named Catherine or Katerine? So the nurse comes to her kill, and it's Katerine. He has love. They're going to get married. And he says, I told you not to come here. You are not to come here. And she's like, I am also a nurse, and this is what I need to do. And I made promises that I would love you forever, no matter what. And he's like, are you sure? And then he turns his head, and the whole side of his face is blown off. And she has a moment of like, oh, he's going to be scarred for life. And she takes his hand, and she goes, you can just grow a mustache. And then cut to 1930 fucking whatever, and he's there in the club with his big, bushy fucking stash. But just you fucking wait. Because not only does Salami Autoborn live, six months after the events, he goes back to that club where she's playing, and she's singing a sad song. Because they have a romance angle throughout the movie, by the way. Ew. And he goes back, and he's sitting there. And somebody's like, excuse me, sir, the club's closed, you need to leave. And the camera pans around, and, and he shaved his mustache, and he's showing his scars. Because he's a changed man now. What the actual fuck, Kenneth Branagh? What the fuck are you thinking? That is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Okay. Like, we, we, don't need, we didn't need Indiana Jones's origin of his whip hat and scar in a fucking... Uh, the third Indiana Jones movie. What's the subtitle of that one? Last Crusade. We didn't need the origin of Indy's shit in The Last Crusade. We don't need Hercule Poirot's mustache. It's not, he has a mustache. It's the third. He's never had a fucking mustache. So at multiple points in this, uh, in the book, is the point of Poirot is that he is a weird-looking little dude. He is described as short and weird-looking. And he is, at multiple points, described as wearing pink. The guy they got to play him in the 78s is fucking perfect, too. Okay. Uh, Peter Ustinov played him in 78, and he was a, a British character actor. And they were like, there is no character more character than Hercule Poirot. Yes. Let's get a character actor to play him. Okay. And fucking Kenneth Branagh, with his gigantic fucking ego, has to take this character, who in the 78 is, like, nice and lighthearted. Is he, like, lighthearted and funny in the book? He is... He's very funny, and he has a very... He's funny at some points, he's a dry sense of humor at other points, and he also, like, when he's interacting with Jackie, he is deeply sad for her and very empathetic. Like, yeah. her specifically. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I got a lot of that from the 78. Like, the, the scene at the end... You know, the scene that happens in every act of the Christie, where he sits down and goes, this is how it happened, and this is who did it. Yes. The scene where he figures it out. He has, like, a grin. Like, he's happy. He's like, oh, I solved the puzzle. He's almost delighted that he did it, even though there's three corpses now. Yeah. In the fucking 22, he, so, to get them in the salon, 
he fires a shot from Andrew's gun, and then the staff in the boat locked him in, and he's brooding because he's best friend. Luke just died. And he's like, I wish I could have had one more conversation with him. And he's so fucking, like, self-aggrandizing and self-centered, and it's, it's just a shit of take on that character. So, I, I regret that I don't remember specifically who posted this take, but I saw a take that the reason that the Mystery on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile were so poorly received, and why the Kenneth Branagh adaptations in general were poorly received, is that the whole point of Poirot is that he is a thinker. He lives in his head. He has a couple, like, he's described as making a little cat-like leap at one point in the book. But he's not an action hero. He is the guy, he is M. He is the guy that sits behind and does it, and Kenneth Branagh wants to be an action hero. So the last fucking interview on In Death of a Nile, the Branagh, um, he's interviewing Book, who's been his witness for every interview prior. So he has Simon in the room to be the witness there. And it's not explicit, but it's probably, like, his reasoning is probably so that he can get a read on Simon and confirm his, his, uh, his thing theory. Um, and this is a scene where Boot gets shot in the front by Jackie. It follows with him having a shootout with her through the kitchen. He throws a butcher knife. In the 78, like, the shot rings out. Everyone goes outside of the room that they're in, and there's just a smoking gun on the ground, and no one knows who did it. Yes. There's no shootout. There's no need for a shootout. So, do you remember last episode where he talked about, like, the third person on mission? Yeah. So, Agatha Christie does something similar, where she writes, she writes third person limited, and then occasionally she'll write from another, from a third person limited perspective, but it's, like, her perspective, but she's hiding stuff from you, if that makes sense. Okay, sure. So, like, in that scene, she's describing it as, as Salome is, like, building herself up to reveal it. And she's also described as drunk in this scene, but everyone in the room knows that she's drunk. Because um, they all know her secret at this point. Mm. Uh, so she is building herself up, and then it's like described as like, oh, there is a flash in the corner. No one is paying attention, because everyone's paying attention to Salome. And then all of a sudden, she's about to reveal the name, and then bang! And then it just clatters sprint. And like, there's a cool line where uh, Paul Rowe goes out, and it's um, Cornelia Robson and Tim Allerton, and Jack, uh, I think Jackie is there at that point as well. She appears at that point. And, um, because she shot the nuts. And someone, uh, is like, ah, there are, I see three directions the person could have gone. And Cornelia's like, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, well, he could have gone this way, but then he would have run into Tim. He could have gone this way, but then he, we would have heard the splash, or and then he cuts off, and Cornelia's like, I'm sorry, so don't get it. And then that's when Jackie jumps in, and she's like, you could have gone down over the railing. And that, and Poirot, like, looks at her, and he's like, that's not what I meant, but I know you're trying to deflect me. Yeah. Know that. <laughs> Who plays Jackie? Because in my head, it's a Maggie, a Maggie Gyllenhaal type. Uh-huh. Jackie is played by, whoops, that's We'll talk about the uh, the cast of the old one at the end. Okay. Uh, Emma Backey plays Jackie. I feel like I recognize that name, but I don't recognize the face. She did Sex Education. 
She did. She's the physicist Barbie in the upcoming Barbie movie. <laughs> she has not done a lot. But oh. She played Emily Bronte in Emily. That might be where you know. I haven't seen that. She's only done four or five movies and okay. two TV shows. She's, she was great. I thought she was. I thought she was Because she, she's the heart of the of the yeah. Um, she's better in the old one, and you'll understand why. Um. So who plays Simon? Simon. We're just gonna go through the cast. So, do you remember the other day when you said, "I want you to guess who did it"? Uh huh. I guessed immediately as okay. soon as he as soon as Simon appeared in the '78, because the actor that plays him looks like Randy Orton. Oh and no! And I don't trust Randy Orton. <laughs> and then everything went locked into place. Um, I would have figured it out in this watch as well. Because you don't cast Army Hammer to be a good guy. No! No, you don't! Oh. Army Hammer appears. I don't trust that guy. Did this happen? Did this movie come out like immediately before the cannibalism thing? It might have been after. When was the cannibalism thing? Oh, man. Because I think it was around the same time. Abuse allegations. <laughs> well, we had abuse allegations back, like... Uh, yeah, but specifically the back, back stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, this was after. They probably had filmed they it. They might have filmed it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Army Hammer is Simon. Uh, Gal Gadot is, is Lynette. Um, who played... So the Allertons are not in it. No. Um... Most of the, the big names you recognize, um, the only other one is uh, Letitia Wright plays Rosalie. Okay. Um, she's also stellar. Yeah. She's super, super good. Yeah. Um, you know what? Okay, let's do it now. Um, you want, you want the, uh, the, old, the old version cast? Okay, I'm going to make a guess that either Dame Maggie Smith or Angela Lansbury is in the 78. <laughs> Am I right? Are they both in it? Dame Maggie Smith plays Miss Bowers. Okay. And who's the other one said Angela Lansbury plays Shalomi Otterbaugh? Of course she does. Okay. Uh, Jacqueline's played by Mia Farrow. Uh, and Van Schuyler is played by Betty Davis. Oh. Yeah. That cast is incredible. Okay, I will say, though, like, reading the book, I knew, like, I already had, the two people I knew from the cast were Gal Gadot and um, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Um, so, like, those two I pictured in my head um, when those characters were involved, but I've had Maggie Gyllenhaal in my head for Jackie. She would have been great. She's a bit old. Because they keep describing her as, like, the whole point was, like, Jackie is, uh, she's the brains of the operation. Yeah. Imagine they did this in 2005. <laughs> Get Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Get, like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look too similar. Get on um, like Angelina Jolie in two thousand five to play uh, Lynette. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's there's options there. So in um, the um uh, in the book, Lynette's death, the actual death, mm -hmm. feels like an afterthought. Does it also feel that way in the movie? In that like how so? Like, it literally is like you have this whole climactic event with the shooting in the in the uh, in the area where Jackie shoots um, Simon Belay, 
and then literally it cuts to the next chapter, and it's just Poirot waking up, and he's getting a knock on the door, and Colonel Reyes is like, but Lynette's dead. That's how it is in the 78. Um, it's a little bit more dramatic in the, the 22. Okay. Um, there's some screaming involved, like Simon is distraught, and a poor actor. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah. Hoist by his own petard, I... inviting Hercule Poirot onto the boat, <laughs> and then drugging him, thinking drugging him during the murder will prevent him from figuring it out. You dumbass. <laughs> okay, so um, I had a question for you. You mentioned the um the uh, third person omniscient uh, writing. How does she write that scene? The the scene where uh, Jackie shoots him in the leg. That is written... Because the reason I'm asking is there's something that happens during that scene and that he's not actually in. Yeah. How is that in the book when it first happens? So when it first happens, he stumbles over a... So, like, she she's shown multiple people the weapon. Like, they all know she has the weapon. Mm-hmm. And she has Cornelia Robson basically pinned in a chair as a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also been drinking all night. Yep. Drinking all night. Um, so she basically, um, is, like, trying to get Cornelia to open up and tell her her life story, and Simon is in the room also getting increasingly angry, and then finally she turns on Simon and starts yelling at him and whips out the gun, and it goes off by accident, and then she, like, immediately faints away and drops the gun and kicks it away, and she's like, I didn't mean to. So the words on the page say it went off by accident. Like, no. how, like, that, that's more what I'm asking, like, how, how is it structured, like, Written by Christy. Written by Christy. She says that, um, she said that Jackie points the gun at him and there is a puff. Okay. But I don't think there's any, they don't describe any smoke or anything like that. And it's just he falls backward over over the chair or marshal or whatever that is clutching his leg. And there's, um, and the witness, it's kind of written from Cornelia's point of view. So she immediately runs away because the last, the last other person, the, um, Salon has left, so she immediately runs to find someone else to get help. Okay. So that's what Simon has time to whip out the red ink. Right. right. So, so the way like, I guess I guess what I'm asking, um, there's a specific point I want to make based on how the two films covered it. Okay. Is it Kate Bates? Does she does she sell it as he was shot by that shot? Yes. Okay. So the '78 does the same thing. It it's filmed as if she shoots him in the leg that moment. Yeah. Brano decides to cut it like a WWE match. Uh, and it's so frantic and everywhere. Like, you can't tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big clue to what is a pretty big twist. Like, I, I picked up immediately watching the 78 that Simon was the killer. And that's just because I'm like, I'll trust this guy. <laughs> and then I'm watching it, I'm like, he could have hobbled through her room and shot her. Didn't occur to me once that he wasn't actually hit. Yeah, but watching, watching the Brano, because it's shot, everything else, like, there's a lot of big sweeping shots and long, steady shots, and then this is shot like a bad action movie. And it's such a moment of, like, it's so jarring that it's like, something's up here. Why is this scene different? I can see the thought process behind making that particular scene frantic, but I feel like it would work better if you had it shot from, like, someone's point of view. Yeah, like, Joanne is a runner from, because in, in this, it's uh, Book and Rosalie in the end of Yeah. Joanne is, like, a runner following their perspective. You can still have it be frantic 
but like not so different that it's jarring and it's like fit in the film. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So since we've already spoiled, you know, the murder aspect. Oh yeah. How does this end? Oh um. So the seventy-eight. Uh, I forget who shoots who first. One of them shoots the other than themselves, and I can't remember if it's Jackie shoots Simon than herself. Um, she's like, he looks to her. She still has the gun. He looks to her and says, "What do we do?" She shoots him in the head, and then kills herself. So. And go. How's it? How's it going in the book? That so in the in the book. Poirot has, I think, I think it's rule of threes. I think he has like three private conversations with Jackie, and the third one, he basically implies to her that she should kill herself because it's like they have like the big like portending conversations where um, he's like, "Don't go down this path. Don't let evil enter your heart. Whatever, whatever." And then. Um, he has this conversation with her after they know it and she's like well we're done for we're gonna go to jail um and he's like i wish you didn't have to do this and she's like it's fine we'll be fine and it's clear that like she feels bad for simon because she knows that this is going to kill simon if not literally figuratively and i don't remember exactly how it's phrased but there's a lot of like subtext to what they're saying and it's very clear that like they understand each other because he understands that Jackie and he have a very similar mind and she fully admits that like he just outplayed her he's just smarter than her mm-hmm. um but she's like it's I couldn't I feel like it's really sad in the book because clearly she did love Lynette but she loved Simon more and over and over again they make the Poirot makes a point that he, she loves him. He, she loves him so much that she will do whatever she can to protect him. And it culminates in her shooting him and then shooting herself. And there's a little scene, he's standing with Mrs. Allerton, and she's like, you knew she was going to do that. He's like, yeah, I knew she had two pistols. I'm glad. He basically basically all but says, I'm glad she did it. So there's no Mexican standoff in the book? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not fucking kidding you. Hercules got uh, Andrew's gun. Uh, it's revealed in his movie that uh, Salome keeps a 22 in her head. And then uh, Jackie has her gun. And there's no joke in Mexican standoff. Before Jackie grabs Simon and shoots him in the back, through his back, into her own heart. With a fucking twenty-two. No. The same gun that uh, the Simpsons joked about being a BB gun. It is described. It is a twenty-two specifically yeah. in the book. Oh, it's a Derringer, and, and, it's, and that, that gun does not have the force. It, it's explained in this movie that that gun does not have the force to travel through one person's body into another's, delivering a killing blow. They're both just really in pain. <laughs> and he's still injured at this point, right? Yeah, he's got the broken leg from shooting himself in the leg. Um, I, I just went on a hard tangent in my brain. Uh, does a marble ashtray come to play at all in the book? No. There's okay. a velvet stone. Okay, yeah, that's that's um, been 
Ben Skyler. Ben Skyler's smart. Yeah, no, that comes into play in both. It's referred to as a smart in the 22, because Brandon doesn't trust his audience and never fucking stole it. He, so in the book, I, I'm going to admit that I don't fully understand what the stone was used for. Um, it's used to, um, I think it's used when he shoots himself yes. to deaden the sound of the yes. shot. That's, that's in both films. He, okay. rats, he rats it to deaden the gun. So when he shoots himself, nobody hears a third gunshot. Um, and then he puts another bullet in the gun, wraps it all. Oh, he just had a different cartridge. Okay. In both movies, he puts an extra bullet in the gun so that it only registers as two shots fired when the gun is found. Oh. The reason I asked about more Ashtray is that's what's used to weigh it down in the 78. But it doesn't. But that doesn't appear in the 22. It's just the weight of the gun wrapped in the handkerchief and started. Oh the yeah, gun. they just throw it in. Yeah. Water. Okay. Um, and it just so happens that um, Rosalie Alford was throwing away her mom's cash and booze, and so Van Skyler saw her. She saw Tim Allerton. Uh, sneaking out of the room because he had just stolen the pearls. Um, and what starts it all off is that the pearls are missing, so they think the maid stole them. Okay. And that's what gets made killed, and then eventually what gets Otter Bar killed. So there's, this book has a body, excuse me, this book has a body count of five. Okay. But apparently the movie also does just a different five. Yeah, okay, so the 78 movie is, is Lynette. First, um, Louise Slipthroat, the net shot the temple. Uh, yeah, I think it's described as shot behind her ear in the book. Okay, it's, it's temple in both movies. Okay. Um, Louise is Slipthroat both movies. Um, the third body is different in the movie, it's the 78, it is, uh, Otterborn. Yes. And she shot in the head. In yes. the 22, it's Book, and he shot in the front. Yeah, she's, uh... And then Simon and, uh, Jackie is um, in the book, um, shot in the head, uh, Lynette, uh, but I, they kept describing it as behind her ear, so I'm pretty sure that it's backward. Yeah. Um, did they also, did someone paint a J in blood? In the 78, yes, not the 22. Yeah, that's like... Which, I'm okay with that being omitted, actually. It didn't really do much. The whole point was that it was demonstrating that Simon was kind of a himbo. Like, he doesn't qualify as a himbo because he's not nice. But, um, he's, that was his melodramatic point. I think Ryan is trying to confuse Poirot. Yeah. Because everyone knows who he is. That was, yes, that so, was the idea. So that he was like, to... yeah, he's like, Jackie has a, an airtight alibi. She could not possibly have done it. But she drew a J to implicate Jackie. Yeah. But immediately he's like, she couldn't have drawn that. She was dead. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's just the reddest of red hairs. Yes. Um, and then the... Here's some information. Fuck up, Siri. The second one is Luis, and she is stabbed through the heart with the scalpel. Oh, through the heart? Yeah, she's like straight up just stabbed through the heart. And the, I heard that both movies Well, the explanation for why um, Jack was able to kill her was that she was counting the blackmail money. And so she was taken under underwear. Yep. And there's also like some weird classism stuff with her counting the money. Because it's like, oh, I know that class. That's the count the money. It's like, okay, you. I, I didn't notice a lot of classism in the 78, and it was, like, the 22 was almost anti-classist in films, with, like, Van Schuyler being a wealthy communist, and Bowers being, like, a formerly wealthy person that was, she was a good rich, 
Like, she paid her employees well, and she misses the caviar, but she misses them more. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Ba- Miss Bowers is, uh, Miss Bowers is described as being, like, um, just efficient and all around, just, like, efficient and emotionless and detached. And, like, she knows what she's here to do. That's all she's going to do. She's totally fine doing it. Um, and she's also described as, like, very smart. But she's just kind of another, she's, she's another red herring mm-hmm. in the book. Because it's, like, she shows up with a string of pearls, and they're, like, you did it! She's like, no, my employer's a kleptomaniac, and this would be really awkward, I would appreciate it if you keep quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so, Louise gets stabbed through the heart, and then, um, Mrs. Otterborn gets shot through the chest. Or through the back, kind of, by Jack. Okay. Um, and then, the yeah, it's Simon and, um, Jack. Um, was there a lot of, like, French colloquialism more so in the 78 um a lot of that when hercule would begin interrogations okay um we're just like moving around the ship that kind of thing it was way less so in the in the 22 okay because it was like i feel like so i know you haven't read a lot of jane Austen, but it feels like that was the thing to do at that time was like you would include modern, um, to them, modern, um, references. So, like, Jane Austen, because everyone spoke French, there's, like, references in French and references to literature that everyone read, blah, blah, blah. And it felt like that was the same thing Agatha Christie was doing with the insertion of French, because first, Poirot is Belgian. Yeah. And then second, um, of course, when he's thinking of himself, he's going to just start talking in his native language. And it's a lot, and I, it's one of those things where, like, she did it because the audience would, the audience at the time would understand it, but now, eighty years removed. Yeah, that definitely hung around in the '78, um, which was a British production, and it seems like it was it cut some characters for sure, but it feels like it was more true to the tone of the book. Yeah. Um, not necessarily lighthearted, but more like, oh, it's fun, it's a murder mystery. Like, yeah, some people are gonna die, but also kind of shitty. So, yeah, it was like everyone in this book kind of sucked. Because they also, like, I don't want to say they make them, they make them blame, they kind of make them blame a little bit here, because it's like, there's a there's a confrontation between Poirot and Lynette, where he's basically like, you have the choice not to take him, and you sold him. Yeah, That's why they bothered you so She much. marries her best friend's fiance. Yeah. Six months after she met him and hired him. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, like, and that was, like, a point in that a lot of people are like, I get why she's done. Like, like I'm not mad that she's done. And I think that's also kind of the point of, like, this kind of murder mystery is that everyone's a suspect because everyone's kind of okay with the victim being dead. Yeah. Um, which I think is what makes it fun. Is that, and that I don't have to worry about her. Whereas in the Brano, I felt more for her because she had more kindness. And, like, there was a moment the night she died where she basically apologizes to Jackie. And Jackie has a moment of, oh, shit, that's right. Like, that's not necessary. Like, the, the, the movie doesn't need to be dark and brooding. Yeah. Like, you get enough of the kind of ends from Jackie's story, because that's, like, yeah. where it all comes in, is, like, he, Poirot has a couple conversations with Lynette, but it's that kind of, like, him realizing that she's so used to getting whatever she wants that she doesn't know how to handle it. Because he, he tells her, like, no, I'm not going to work for you. 
Um, but I will talk to Jack. And Lynette's like, what the hell? Why are you, why are you telling me no? And then she's got to like call the hand for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jackie, the conversation, like he recognizes what's going on in Jackie. And he recognizes like she has the capacity to commit murder. But I don't think she has the will to do it. And then as some of the pieces fall into place, and he just like you, you kind of watch him get sad over the course of the story as the pieces fall into place, and he realizes like he doesn't want to be right about her, but then he is. Yeah. Because he's always right. Yeah. His his darkness in the Brana is more self-centered and more related to book. And I think so it's because he wanted, he wanted to tie it into the first one. And you don't need to. No, you don't. Like that's that's one of the fun things about it, and it's what uh, Ryan Johnson is doing well with uh, the Knives Out series. Is all he's doing is bringing back Benoit Blanc. Exactly. That's all he did. And just put him in a different setting with different characters and have him solve another mystery. That's the fun of this kind of story. Like that was one thing that was kind of fun in this is that he sees um, he see uh, Poirot sees. Jackie and Simon at a restaurant that is a setting from a previous book, but it's literally just one or two lines where it's like, this restaurant is super exclusive and normally the chef doesn't talk, the owner of the chef doesn't talk to anyone, but he gave his attention to two people this night. One of them is a weird looking little French guy in a weird outfit, and it's like, they're talking, uh, the conversation with Trevor and the uh, owner is just like, ah yes, thank you for helping me with that business seven months ago and um and like that's it it's like it's one of those things where it's like you don't need to know what happened but you know what happened and it gives you a little bit of backstory it's kind of like if you have read that book you're like hey i know what happened there but you don't need it to know what happens next yeah whereas brandon's gonna have multiple scenes of him and book being like oh can't believe we're doing this again like what you do dude dude so unnecessary um, okay, so also, there was, going back to the racism and sexism, okay. um, it was really weird because there was so much obvious racism and sexism in, like, especially the way they talked about the Egyptian people, like, they only, she literally described them as, like, flies and livestock in the way that they would come up to them and bother them and beg for money. Um, yeah. There was none of that in either movie, and I think that's what's better. Yes, and, but at the same time, like, there was this whole thing where Tim Allerton didn't like Poirot, and it's because he's a jewel thief, but his mom thinks it's because he has a thing against foreigners, and she's like, well, that's not right. You shouldn't have a thing against foreigners. And it's like, ma'am, Doctor, heal thyself. There's a mirror right here. Exactly. So I think that's like okay. So the the big thing I wanted to talk about was Agatha Christie versus Kenneth Branagh with the idea of like being an auteur. Because Agatha Christie, I don't want to say she invented the genre, but that's what people know this genre because of her. She, she may not have invented it, but she she defined it. Yes. 
And Rana, it feels like, has this history of taking properties. He is known for taking properties and committing them 100% faithfully to the screen. I was thinking that the whole time watching this, like, this is the dude who did every word of Hamlet on screen. Which, you, there's a reason you cut the Denmark subplot in Hamlet. Then again, Sorry, not the Denmark, the other one. Then again, this is also the dude that did that adaptation of Blood Langer's Lodge. So, the one that's like a musical that takes place during World War II. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I mean. So, like, I, I read him as, like, everything he does is, like, what if thing people like, what if I made it? Yeah, that's actually accurate. And I'm starting to think, maybe he shouldn't have. <laughs> like, considering like, his best work, arguably, is his four and a half hour long handling. I think, I don't know if he just produced, or if he, uh, the much you do about nothing. Oh, I think he did direct that one, too. Let me, let me look that up. Because that one was, from, a, from what I can recall, that one is very well done. It's, it's well done, except for the fact that you have Keanu Reeves playing period in an era Listen. where he could not do it. Listen, I'm not going to be mad at Keanu Reeves' period costume, though. Oh, a period costume, no, but then, like, whoa, what yonder light through yonder window, right? Like, <laughs> what? Like, it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> he is. It's, that's the 93 he did direct. He adapted it to the screen, directed it, and starred. Yeah, he was Benedict. Yeah. Which, that's the role you give yourself if you're doing Oh, it. yeah, and if you're doing Down in the Nile, you give yourself her feel for a If you do Hamlet, you give yourself Hamlet. I'm surprised it's like fucking Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how Thor got better when not Kenneth Brown was in Sean, the, 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 the main guy. Yes. Fuck, I'm gonna cut most of this out. Um, 
plans. Uh, let's try and not spoil things for self. I just, I feel like he would do a great job in a program. I don't know his film. Mark Evan Jackson. That is such a white man name. That's the whitest white man name. This guy. Yes. Yeah, 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 Mark Evan Jackson. You know what? No, that's the thing. Kenneth Branagh, when he was younger, had the look of a leading man. And as he's aging, he still wants to be that leading man. Oh, and like they discovered in 78 with that perfect casting, Hercule Poirot is not a leading man. Hercule Poirot is a character. You need a character actor playing that role. He needs to be a little bit goofy. He needs to be a little, like, French. Like... Or, I mean, even just someone who's desperately trying to get out of franchise roles. I don't want Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig is a, is a great... It's been a bug. It's just... Oh. And a wild character. Also, he's still gorgeous. I was gonna say, to be fair, and too much of a leading man. To be fair, you put him up against. You want to hide the fact that he's a leading man? You put him up against Chris Evans. You know what? Good point. <laughs> Very good point. Oh, you know who would be like fun in in this adaptation? Also, if you did a proper adaptation with all the characters and subplots, mm -hmm. Sam Rockwell would be an excellent Tim Allen. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, Autoborn in the, uh, yeah, in the book, she is a washed up novelist who's gonna get her, her public back. And her whole deal is that she is obsessed with sex. Like, all of her books are, like, she's like a romance novelist, but not like, she's a romance novelist in what we thought romance novels were when we were growing up. Like, Sarah J. Boss wishes. Like, um, what's her face in uh, the boyfriend school? Oh. Uh, <laughs> we are doing that eventually. Uh, I am making you read that book eventually. Uh, Not yet, but we'll get there. Well, I I feel like we're coming to a natural conclusion. We're we're reaching the end. And I checked my notes. I don't think I have any more questions for you. Yeah, and I think that. We have kind of made it clear that we think that the book did it better with this. The book did it better than the 22. I don't know. That 78 movie. Let me let me put it this way. The 22 movie was 2 hours 6. The 78 movie was 2 hours 20. Somehow, Rana spelled longer. <laughs> I would highly recommend that 78. I thought it was a, a joy from start to finish. I had a blast watching it, not just because I was watching it while I was working and I was taking my mind off of the uh, mundane monotony of capitalism. But also, the performances in it were awesome. The cast is so stacked. Yes, you read the cast. Angela Lansbury is a delight in it, and everything is great. And it, like the story is told very well while shedding the racism. Yeah. I, I recommend it. I do. I don't recommend the 22. So, we recommend the book over the 22, and equal to the 78? I would almost say the 78 more than the book. We're digging in all the racism. We're digging in yeah. all the racism and the sexism. It sounds like there's more in the book going on, there's more plot lines, but as far as a murder mystery goes, like when you want oh. Agatha Christie, you want a murder mystery, yeah. that 78 film does it perfectly, and there's a reason it got three scenes. 
So I think what we've learned is that you should watch Knives Out. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, although I did, okay, one last point about the book, uh, or about the uh, Death on the Nile. Um, it is like fully, the, the version that I read was 396 pages long. It is fully almost the 200th page by the time Lynette dies. Oh, it was, it was an hour six in the two hour 20 version, and it was in about an hour in Bronis, two hours. Okay. So yeah, it's about the halfway point. Okay. Yeah. Because this was my first, this was my first Christie, and I was under the impression that it was going to be, like, immediate death. Oh, yeah, like, I was expecting just, like, movie open, someone dies, figure it out. It's like, no, you gotta learn who these people are first. I, I, yes. I, I get it. I do get it. Like, it made sense to do it that way. Yeah. Um, just not what I was expecting, I guess. And I don't know if that's unique to this story, because, like, something like Clue, the murder happens almost immediately. Yeah, Somebody like exactly dies down, the murder happens fairly early. Yeah. But they don't even know the murder in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, that did take me a bit. I was waiting for the death for a while. I was also waiting for the night for a while. <laughs> yes, they spent a lot of time in England. Yeah. And France. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know where the club was in, I assume England. Um, the 78, they do spend some time at her estate. Yes. Yeah, they're for Stanley. But that's besides the point. So yeah, definitely recommend 78. And I... It's free on YouTube. Oh. Yeah, with that. Oh, beautiful. Um, I do recommend the book. It was very good. Um, with the noted exception that be aware of some dated language and um, there's not outright slurs, at least that I recognized. Not, in, not as there are in some of her other works. But, but it was written. It was written. Ninety some years ago. Yeah. She. So, yeah. Grant's fault there. Yes. So. Yeah. I think that about wraps up our conversation. I think it does. Uh, what should we talk about next time? Well, we did get a suggestion. We did get a suggestion from a dear friend. But we can't talk about the suggestion. That's the first rule. You don't talk about the suggestion. No. Do you know what the second rule is? What's the second rule? You don't talk about the suggestion. <laughs> Do you know what the third rule is? What's the third rule? The first time you get the suggestion, you have to use the suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you're doing Fight Club, baby! Oh, well, you're not supposed to talk about it! Shut up! Where can people find you online if they would like to? People can find me on Twitter at pretty special P R I T T Y S P E S H U L. And one of them is Y L and one of them is U L. It's in the description on the podcast. And then you can find me at Mr. Billy Beck. That's M R B I L L Y B E C K on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd. Um, and you can find the show on Twitter at SoonMajorPod. So until next time, uh, Fight Club. I don't know how to end. I never know how to end. Fight Club. Fight Club.